Hello, you found Dogmatically Imperfect Condensed Imperfection, a condensed version of Season 1 episodes in a more digestible time frame. Today's session, Jesus didn't die for your sins. It was another reason. And if you remember, last week's session, we came up with a question, well, why did Jesus die on the cross then? And we were talking about Jesus was forgiven people before he ever shed a drop of blood. And um, God is sovereign and he can forgive people if he wants to. He, he will show mercy on whom he will show mercy. And he will show compassion on whoever he wants to show compassion. Because God is sovereign. Okay, well then why did Jesus have to die on the cross, Mr. Theologian guy? And what I'm telling you is that is a great question. It's a great, 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 great question. And we're going to tackle that today. If you have your Bible and you're in a place to look at it, again, not while you're driving, we're going to be, by the way, I just want to say one thing. I don't have my second camera here today. I did want to mention that. Um, I have some technical difficulties today, so we're going to be without without camera two. Ah, oh, where are you at? Don't worry. Uh, everything will be captured on camera one and we'll be good to go. So, But anyway, uh, if you have your Bible and you're in a place to look at it, again, I keep saying this all the time, not while you're driving. And Justin, why do you say that all the time? You say it every single week, say it every single week. It's not cumbersome to me, first of all, number one. Number two, why? Because I know some people. So, um, <laughs> But we're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in the 26th chapter. Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, Well, look, 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 not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Man, we don't want to do it during the feast, because uh, it might not go so well for us. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an, an alabaster flask a very costly fragrant oil. And one of the other books, because this is Matthew, Mark and Luke also tell the same story. One of them said it's about a, a, a year's, it's worth a year's salary. That's how expensive this was. And she poured it on Jesus's head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, look at this, disciples, not just one guy, multiple. When his disciples saw that, not just Judas, right? But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, look, why do you trouble this woman? For she's done a good work for me. Look, you're going to have the poor with you always, but me, you don't have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. And assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Wow, that's tremendous. And then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, there he is, uh, went to the chief priest and said, Hey, look, man, what are you willing to give me if I, if I deliver him up to you? Now, this is interesting to me. I'm going to stop here for a second, and we'll continue on in a minute. Uh, but think, listen to what's happening. Um, there's this woman, and she's got... Uh, think about what an annual salary is. 
like the poverty line here in the United States, uh, like if you're making 30000 a year, I think, I don't even know what it is. I'd have to look it up. But 30000 a year is right around the poverty level. And so if you double that, that's 2500 bucks a month. So if you double that would be like a normal salary. That's $60,000 a year. That's, that's $5,000 a month. So think about a year's worth of wages at a normal job. Some people make more. Most people make less. Uh, but $5,000 a month, so $60,000. I mean, I don't have, I don't have anything around here in a bottle that's worth, that's worth a one year's salary. That's, that's a lot of money. And so the, the disciples are indignant, right? Not just one, not just Judas. Why this waste? This oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Remember, Jesus has been talking about, remember what he told uh, the rich young ruler? Hey, look, uh, what a, the rich young ruler comes up. What have I got to get it, do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, look, all you got to do is follow the commandments. Said, well, I've been doing that. I mean, what commandments are you talking about? He's like, look, you know the commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't, you know, don't, uh, <laughs> you know, don't covet. The commandments, guy, the, you know, there's 10 of them. Do that and you'll be good. He's like, well, I've been doing that since I was little. And Jesus was like, well, look, if you want to be perfect like your father in heaven, take what you got, sell it, and give to the poor, and then come hang out with me. And the guy went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. And, and so Jesus is preaching, sell your stuff and go give it to the poor, to the rich young ruler. But here, this woman it ha has this, this expensive oil, and rather than sell it and give to, to the poor... She uses it on Jesus. I, I, I mean, I've got, I've got this, my firkin, I've got my water in here. Think about if this thing was filled with um, some expensive oil. And uh, I, I mean, I don't use hair product. The thing, I, I just put a little bit of like, uh, what do they call it? Coconut oil. That's all I use. A little bit of coconut oil. And then eventually it goes away. And she she poured oil on him. And how many, you know, it didn't all stay on his head. It went down his beard, down his beard, and then on the floor. Wasted. She poured it all on him. She didn't get a little dab and uh, da, 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 da. no, she anointed him and poured it all on him. And I can see, from a certain standpoint, listen to what I'm saying, and some of you are going to be upset at me for what I'm about to say, and that's okay. Uh, I've said some worse things than this in the past. Um, man, I get it. From a certain standpoint, I get it. And it, and it kind of reminds me, there's a guy online, he's a... He's a uh, He's not just online. He's a, he's a super successful sales guy, made a lot of money. He's a billionaire in real estate, this kind of stuff. And and he did the show recently, Undercover Billionaire. And uh, but his his name is Grant Cardone, right? And why do I bring this up? Again, some of you guys are going to be upset that I'm comparing Grant Cardone to uh, this particular uh, scenario. But people get upset at Grant Cardone because. He sells his sales training material. He's really good at sales. He's one of the best out there. I've read a couple of his books and, you know, I used to sell some stuff like solar or whatever uh, kind of stuff. And 
he gives you ways to close a deal and he trains people how to sell. He's really good at selling and he's pretty good at training people how to sell. Now, it's always up to the person, right? Individual res results may vary, but look, if you want to do it, this is how you do it. Uh, some people just don't have the mentality or the stick to or whatever it is, right? So not everybody can do it. So uh, anybody can do it, but not everybody's willing to do it. But, and I'm not, look, I'm not trying to sell his stuff. I'm not an affiliate. I'm not any of that kind of stuff. I'm just kind of referencing this particular aspect. There's a lot of people that look at Grant Cardone and he calls them haters. Haters going to hate. <laughs> That's why I said that earlier. It made me laugh because uh, Grant Cardone's a scam. He, all he's trying to do is sell you his overpriced sales material, sales training system and but it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, you don't get your money back. He says money back guarantee, blah, 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 locks you into a 12 month contract. And you, when, when you don't like it anymore and you don't have the money to pay him anymore, you can't get out of it. You still owe him. And so they think he's a scammer and I can understand why somebody would think that if they don't get the results that they think were promised to them then I can see why somebody might think that Grant Cardone is a scammer. And this is what's going on here. Judas is looking at Jesus, wasting all this expensive oil, and he's like, man, this guy's a scam. He's a total scam. Been doing, I mean, look, yeah, I don't know how he walked on the water. I don't know how he did that. But man, he's, been, he's, got, he's got this rope, this garment that, man, rich people want that stuff. We find out later that, that they cast lots for his garments. Judas, Judas is the treasury. He knows how much money's coming through the, the banks, right? And, and, at, and he's finally like, I think I've had enough of this. I think I've had enough. And so he goes up to the, the high priest, right? In verse, uh, ta, 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 verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest in verse 15 and said, look, man, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? I'm done with this. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time on, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. And now we're just going to continue on in the thing. Now, I'm not justifying Judas's behavior or his actions at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not endorsing what he did. What I am saying is, uh, I can see how he maybe got a, kind of got there. Maybe. That's my Larry David again. Anyway, okay. So now verse 17. Now on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to pre prepare you for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. And when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now notice Judas is still there with them, right? With the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. And they were each, uh, oh, wait, wait. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting how Jesus does this kind of in a in a, in a uh, more of a poetic type of a way, right? He doesn't he just doesn't turn to Judas and say, "Hey, this is the guy right here." You guys want to know who's going to betray me? It's this guy. He didn't do that. 
he just said, look, it's the one who dips his hand with me in the, in the dish will betray me. Um, I just find that interesting. Verse 24, Jesus continues talking. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Wow, those are strong words as I turn the page. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said to him, You said it. Now, other, other, th- this, uh, the book of Matthew doesn't have this part in there, but other, I don't know, if, I can't remember if it's Luke or, or, or Mark or Luke, but uh, Jesus says, Look, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. And uh, verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And we're going to skip down a little bit because he's doing the Lord's prayer, the, the last, uh, you know, communion and such. And uh, let's go to verse 32. But after I have been raised, I will go before you in, well, let's just do verse 31. Back up one more. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've seen, uh, uh, after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the roosters crow, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Man, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. I'm never going to deny you, Lord. And it wasn't just Peter that said that. And so said all the disciples. Verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And in verse 37, He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James, Peter, James, and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. How do we know this? Verse 38, then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther. Ooh, isn't this what we do? We want to go as far as we can see. When we get there, we'll go a little farther. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, here we see the humanity of Jesus. He's like, this is not really what I want to do. But then you also see, you see the duality, the humanity and the divinity inside uh, the internal conflict that Jesus is having. But he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And verse 40, then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Peter, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Look, I know the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. I've been going through it right now. And again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 43, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. 
So he left him, and he went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's get going. Look, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, he, he, told, his, he told the people, he said, look, whomever I kiss, he's the one, seize him. And immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. This verse, man, and Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? I look at it this way. Bro, are you really doing this? Is this really what you're doing? In one of the other chapters, uh, one of the other books, it says, really? You're going to betray me with a kiss? Is this how you're going to betray me? You're going to do me like that, bro? And they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Verse 51, and suddenly... One of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Well, then how could the scriptures be fulfilled? That it must happen thus. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, look, he said to all the guys that came to arrest him, right? Have you come out against me like, like, as, like as if I'm a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat with you daily teaching in the temple and you didn't seize me then. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And we're going to stop right there for right now. So we come back to the question. Why did Jesus die on the cross? And it seems, I'm reading this passage right here, and you, you might not really understand why I read this uh, passage when it comes to that question, because it seems like an, it's an easy question to answer. We've been told the reason for a very long time. And it's the most basic, basic of things that we as Christians have learned. Jesus died for our sins so that God could forgive us because God can't be around sin. And the only thing that's going to appease God, uh, God's wrath, right, is blood. But we can't all kill a lamb to achieve forgiveness. But by sending Jesus, Jesus becomes the lamb of God. In other words, God appeases himself by having Jesus die in your place. And this is the answer that we have for the question. But what if there was a different reason to die on the cross? Now we've seen in the scriptures how Jesus forgave people before they even asked and before he even shed a drop of blood. 
Remember that guy, the paralytic? Remember they led him down through the roof? And Jesus didn't heal the guy first, even though that's why he came. He came to be healed. He forgave his sins. And the religious people got mad and said, man, what do you think you're doing? You can't do that. And Jesus said, uh, just so you know that I have the power to forgive sins, rise up and be healed. And then he healed the guy after. And, you know, it's not like Jesus had, you know, a little pin. I got my little pocket knife. It's not like Jesus had a, uh, uh, let me, let me, you know, prick my finger. Every time he wanted to forgive somebody, right? He had to sacrifice a drop of blood. It, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that. And again, Jesus didn't condemn the woman caught in the act of adultery. Did he? Even on the cross, Jesus forgave those that put him there. All of them. Before they even knew they did anything wrong. So, so I mean, what gives? Was Jesus pre-forgiving people? I mean, he knew he was going to die on the cross. So he pre-forgave these people? Kind of like a you know a spiritual layaway plan or something, right? So, uh, okay, well, look, uh, let me put the down payment and I'll make um, payments every week until I pay it off and then I can have my forgiveness, <laughs> right? No, I mean, so those people weren't really forgiven when he forgave them, but I mean, but they were going to be forgiven. No, that doesn't make sense. I mean, they must have been forgiven when Jesus said, that they were forgiven, not a layaway plan, not a gonna be forgiven situation. So we have this dilemma, right? Jesus forgave before the cross, but our understanding is that the cross is necessary for forgiveness. Before the cross, need the cross. Before the cross, need the cross. Before the cross, but we need the cross. Those things don't really line up, do they? I mean, like in a computer language, I was in eighth grade and uh, this is like 1988, I think it was 87, 88, somewhere around there. Um, and I took a computer class. Uh, and what we were doing is we were learning basic. Uh, you know, if this, then that. And if you didn't do it all right, you got what they call like a syntax error, <laughs> you know? Uh, but this is kind of like a syntax error, some kind of computer error, Right. Uh, he forgave before the cross, but you really need the cross to forgive. Uh, he, he forgave before the cross, but you need the cross to forgive. Christians don't see that error. We just ignore it. You know, it's like, hey, don't ask me a question that I can't answer. God is sovereign. <laughs> right? So we come back to the question. Did Jesus have to die on the cross for God to forgive our sins? And I say, no. How do I say that? If you have your Bible, we're going to go to another passage. Psalm 32. Now, I'm there because I have a bookmark and I knew I was going to go there. Um, you are going to take a minute to get there. Unless you're fast on your phone and you're already there, we're going to go in the 32nd Psalm again. If you are driving, let me just read it to you. All right, you'll hear it. Go back and read it later if you need to. If you don't believe me, it's going to be there. I promise you. I'm reading it right from the book. Uh, got it right here. I know this is the right one. It's the super anointed one. It's my dad's. And I just dropped my pen to have my other place in Matthew 26. Don't let me forget where we were. I will remember. Okay. So Psalm 32, starting in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, 
and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And this is David speaking. It's a, at the top here, it says, a psalm of David, a contemplation. Um, so David is contemplating these things. Uh, verse 3 says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Think about that. Man, when you were against me, life was rough. In verse 5 is our key verse. And I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And here it comes. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Wow. We're talking about King David. God forgave King David before Jesus was uh, <laughs> a twinkle in the Holy Spirit's eye. <laughs> uh, before Jesus. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Before Jesus was a twinkle in the Holy Spirit's eye, God was forgiving David of his sins. Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. And look, this was not a prophetic psalm. This wasn't something that he was seeing in the future that was going to happen. This was something that David experienced. Let me grab my pen, my pencil. Where'd it go? I'm back. So, why die on the cross? If God can forgive without the sacrifice, why make the sacrifice? These are excellent theological questions. And I know, you, well, Justin, you haven't even answered the first one. Now you're bringing up more. And I'm going to tell you this. The depth of God's love and forgiveness. This is the point. Remember last week, we were looking at it. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. And God, Jesus gave his other hand to be nailed. He didn't just turn the other cheek. He gave his other hand. And Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. And Jesus took it a step further and he forgave them while he was hanging on the cross. I mean, I, I, I want you to think about Judas. Now, who knows why he wanted the dinero, Right? We're not privy to the motivations of Judas. And I, and I mentioned that maybe he had something to do with the alabaster box and not selling it to give to the poor. And he was thinking Jesus wasn't practicing what he was preaching. Maybe. Who knows? Right? It doesn't really say. It makes sense that that could be one of the reasons. But at the Last Supper, Jesus released Judas to do what was in his heart. Jesus said, look, go do what you got to do and do it quickly. I mean, Jesus instructs Judas to go through with it. Think about that. He knew. Jesus knew. And he didn't try to dissuade him. He didn't say, listen, Judas, I know what's going on in your mind. And I'm telling you, you really don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. I love you. Judas, I love you. I know you've got some issues with me. I know you're upset that, that, that I allowed that woman to pour $60,000 on my head. I know you don't understand that, but I, ha, don't you see, didn't you see that I fed the 5,000 the one time and the 3,000 another time? Didn't you see that I raised Lazarus from the dead? Don't, 
I need you to understand that there is something bigger going on here. Don't do what you're about to do. You don't want to do that. Jesus didn't do that. At least not according to what we, what's been written here. Not according to our gospel accounts. Does Jesus even try to prevent Judas from doing something that would, woe, it would be better for him if he was never born? Man, what a statement. And Jesus tells him to go through with it. I, I mean, honestly, this part, I mean, I wrote a lot of notes out today, but this is the first time that this thought ever occurred to me. Right now, right here, right now, you're hearing it real time. Jesus didn't even take the time to try to dissuade him from, from betraying him. And we're going to see in a, in, a, in, a, in a couple minutes the impact that it has on Judas. And Jesus did nothing to dissuade him. In fact, he told him to go do it. That is a heavy, heavy thought. That's a heavy thought. And I know some of you guys are out there. Well, yeah, that's exactly what Jesus, what God did with Pharaoh. For this reason, I've raised you up so that I could show my power. And so I could, I, I've set you up so I could knock you down. That's what you guys think about God. And that's what this part of the story indicates, doesn't it? But every other time we see an example of Christ, he's not like that at all. Uh, look, I don't know what to do with this part of the story. I really don't. I wasn't, like I said, this is real time. I'm not trying to say this is wrong. I'm really not. I, I'm trying to, I'm struggling right now, real time with the ramifications of Jesus, not trying to dissuade somebody that he loves, one of his 12 inner circle disciples from the worst reputation of anybody in scripture, save for Lucifer, right? Lucifer, Judas, that's it. Pharaoh was Pharaoh, but he wasn't a us. He was a them already. Judas was a us, right? Lucifer was an us. And Jesus told him to go do it. He said, he said, look, whatever you got to do, you do it right now. That is a heavy, heavy thought. And, and what happened? And so now he's on the way, his way to the religious leaders. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. To do what exactly? I mean, did, did the Sanhedrin not know who Jesus was? Could they not identify Jesus? Did they not know that they wanted him dead? Of course not. They knew who he was and they knew why they wanted him dead. That's why they were plotting, right? Earlier in the, in the scriptures, they were plotting to try to trick him, to try to get him. And they know that Jesus is with his disciples most of the time. It's not like he was hard to find. Last thing Judas knew, they were having supper. When he, and then now all of a sudden he shows up, he kisses him on the cheek. He didn't know where they were. I mean, maybe Jesus had, had, you know, hey, look, after dinner, after supper, hey guys, let's all go down to the garden for a walk. Maybe he had said something like that, um, and so Judas know that. But I mean, this, so this is the thing that's always puzzled me. What did the Sanhedrin need Judas for? They could have just arrested him on their own. 
Jesus was well known, and they could have arrested him at any time. And the, the scripture says that Judas waited for an opportunity when there was no crowd around him. But then he brought a crowd of his own, an armed crowd, no less. Well, it just so happens that our scriptures address this very issue. Let's look again at Matthew 26, and it is in verse 55 and verse 56. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, that's the, the group of guys that came with Judas. He said, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I mean, I sat with you daily teaching in the temple and you didn't seize me then. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples forsook him and fled. So when you think about it, what did Jesus, I mean, what did Judas actually do? He identified Jesus with a kiss to be arrested for 30 pieces of silver. Again, why? I know I keep saying this. Verse 30, 56, rather, verse 56 tells us, so that the writings of the prophets would be fulfilled. And here's where we're going to get to a, th a thought that, it's like a three-pronged thought. This is one of the important thought, uh, <laughs> prongs, right? It brings up an interesting question that maybe you've never heard being asked before. Did Jesus fulfill prophecy to validate himself or to validate the scriptures? Now, I'm going to ask it again. Did Jesus fulfill the writings of the prophets to validate himself or... Did Jesus fulfill the writings to validate the writings? And it's an important question because it goes straight to the idea of whether or not our sacred writings are fallible or infallible. Traditionally, we've looked at, well, I mean, I have. I looked, and I think many people also do, we look at Jesus fulfilling prophetic writings as a way to validate the writings and make them infallible. Now, I no longer look at it that way. I can't. Why? Because Jesus forgave before a, a drop of blood was shed. Right? Jesus fulfilled the prophecy so that people would listen to him and what he was saying. Like this. Okay, look. You want me to be born in Bethlehem? Fine. Done. I'm born in Bethlehem. You want me to come out of Egypt? Fine, done. I came out of Egypt. You want me to be from Nazareth? Great. I'm a Nazarene. You want me to, you know, as it is written, fill in the blank? Well, there you go. What was written? I fulfilled it. You want me to be betrayed? Enter Judas Iscariot. Okay, now I'm being betrayed. You want me to be wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities? <laughs> I'm going to pray on that one first. <laughs> you want me to let them crucify me? Just so you'll believe who I really am? I got to pray a couple more times on that one. Do I really? Do I really got to drink this cup? In order for them to believe that I am the son of God? When I tell people that you're not angry, do I have to really go through all this just so they know that you're not angry? Do I really have to do that? 
Look, you pick any of the prophetic words of the Old Testament, and you're going to see it was fulfilled for the purpose of validating the identity of Jesus, not to identify the writings. I mean, <laughs> if the prophets had predicted that he was going to have two different colors, color eyes, like Max Serger, Scherzer, Scherzer, pitcher, he's a really great pitcher, probably a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's got one brown, one blue eye. Right? If the, if the prophets had predicted that, then they would have made sure to mention that Jesus had two different colored eyes. God, God said like this, look, you make the, up the list. What's going to convince you of my identity? I'm going to check every single box so you, can, so you can't say, well, look, both of his eyes weren't, were the same color. So, I mean, that can't really be the Messiah. So, so what do we do? We see the prophetic words were fulfilled and we think, wow. Whew, those prophets were on point, bro. They must have been right about everything. Us, them, us, them. Uh, earthly kingdom, earthly kingdom. Uh, defeat God's enemies, defeat the God's enemies. Never give up, never surrender. Right? Brave heart! Ah! <laughs> but Jesus didn't preach those things. He said, I know you've heard those things, but I say to you, if you're kind to the evil, you're a child of God. If you feed and clothe the least of these, you've done it to me. When you consider how you want to be treated and treat others that way, you're like the Father in heaven who causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust alike. I know, that you, I, I know you read that if they diss us, that we should call down fire from heaven on them. Guess what? That's not me. And if you bring someone in the very act... If you catch someone and in the very act and you bring them to me, I don't condemn them either. And I didn't need to die on the cross to forgive her. The reason Jesus died on the cross was to prove the depth of God's love and commitment to humanity. Even when humanity does not treat God kindly. God considers how God wants to be treated and treats us that way. God is faithful even when we are not faithful. Raise your hand if you've ever been unfaithful to God. Yes, all have sinned. We know this. You know this. They did everything you could imagine to get him to treat us the way we treated him. But God loves us so much that he gave his son to show the lengths God will go to not hold our faults against us. This is the reason Jesus died on the cross. There is nothing you can do that will separate you from the love of God as we see in Christ Jesus. Not because you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. No! Not even the people who put him on the cross believed or confessed this. And he forgave them anyway. And guess what? I want you to see something. Chapter 27. We're going to go one, 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 one chapter over. One, one page over. Matthew 27, verses uh, 3 through 5. I want you to see this. You've you got to see this. Verses, verse, chapter 27, Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned 
by betraying innocent blood. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is just like, just like the accuser in our mind. The response is the same. What's that got to do with us? That's your problem. You really, you, you got yourself into something now. That's not on me, that's on you. Shouldn't have done that. Think about this. Judas. He made the decision, whatever led him to that decision, that he was going to betray the Son of Man. That he was going to turn his back and turn God in. Man, I didn't. I here's this. this let me let me see if I can put myself in the mind of Judas for just a moment, and let me see if you can track with this. Man, I thought they were going to beat him or something. I mean, I I didn't know they were going to do that. Man. I didn't know they want to crucify him. I didn't know it was like that. Oh man, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? Jesus is the son of God. He did nothing but love me. What have I done? How could I have done that? He was innocent. He didn't do anything. Man, he had that stupid alabaster box and he... A year's worth on his head on the floor. I, I got bent out of shape. Oh my. How could I let that blind me to what really was going on? Lazarus from the dead, and here I am worried about this stupid oil. I can't believe I turned him in. Oh my God. What have I done? Let me take it back. I gotta take it back. I gotta take it back. I gotta, I don't, I don't want it. 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 Get it away from me. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look, I, I'm at the, I'm at the, I'm back to the priest. Look, I betrayed innocent blood. I shouldn't have done this. Take it back. I don't want it. That's not our problem. That's, that's on you, buddy. I know what you're going to do now. That's your responsibility. Verse 5. Then Judas threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hung himself. 
Judas didn't wait around for the punishment. He did it himself. Do we think that God has less compassion on a person who realizes their mistake than one who lives in willful ignorance of their uh, ignorance of their wrongdoing? Yeah, but yeah, but Justin, you're you're ignoring the other scriptures. Woe to the one who betrays the Son of Man. It'd be better for him if he had never been born. Yeah, but he didn't even try to stop him. Jesus didn't even try to stop him. In fact, he told him to go do it. Why? So the scripture could be fulfilled. So you're telling me that Jesus was willing to sacrifice one of his own so that a scripture could be fulfilled. You're telling me that this is more important than a man that, that, that Jesus of Nazareth broke bread with. And at the same time, you're telling me that Jesus died on the cross for that guy. I mean, if he would have stuck around, if he hadn't killed himself, do we, our theology says that if, if Judas had not killed himself, if he had stuck around and he would have confessed Jesus as Lord, right? If he would have believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth that he would be forgiven, that the blood of Jesus would have forgiven his, would have covered Judas's sin of even betraying him. Because the only, the only unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're taught. So even betraying Jesus is not an unpardonable sin. But we say, because he killed himself, that pff, too late, too bad, too bad, so sad. I mean, I I, I, I was going to reference, there's a little thing down here that talks about, I think, what, what, what verse is it? It's um, verse 19. There's a little thing, I was going to reference this little thing about uh, God having a relationship with the them, Pilate's wife. <laughs> Pilate's wife had a dream and said, man, you don't want to mess with this Jesus guy. I, I've been having some dreams. Leave this guy alone. Wash your hands of it. I, I was going to reference that, but when you compare it to this other thing, it's really not that important. There's something we've been referencing many times on this show. And we're, we're right now in the thick of it right now. So let's go ahead and take a look at it. And it's in Luke. It's in the chapter of Luke. So we're in Matthew now. Luke, and I think it's chapter 24. Um, no, it's 23. Luke chapter 23. Man, if you're not getting anything out of this, if you haven't been sharing this already, now's the time to share. You don't get this from... This isn't your normal Sunday message. Let me tell you that much. You never heard anything like this before. Maybe you have. Maybe you have. Let me get my glasses. (sighs) 
Where are we at? Here we are. No. Where am I at? Loop 23, not 24. There we go. Oh, it's to one. Here we go. All right, we're in, we're, we're in Luke. I've referenced this so many times on this show, and you've heard it many, many times. But we're right in the thick of it right now, and we're going to go over it right now. Luke chapter 23, and we're going to start in verse 33. And I'm going to read now. Um, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So here we finally see it. We've referenced it many times, but now we have it chapter and verse. It really is there. Jesus, yes, he had shed blood at this point. But look, he also forgave before anybody ever asked, before anyone knew they did anything wrong. And remember, this goes against our dogma. You know, our dogma says that we got to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. And then forgiveness is bestowed upon us now that we've met the conditions for unconditional love. So again, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I mean, really, he didn't. That's why he was sweating drops of blood, right? By the way, uh, uh, remember I said, who had the GoPro that recorded that part? <laughs> the disciples fell asleep, the whole thing. I mean, it's it's just hilarious to me. Uh, you know, somebody had a GoPro, and so they could write it all down, and we could read about it 2,000 years later, but we don't know who it was. Uh, but I want you to hear this very this next part very clearly. God is not so weak that God must be appeased by blood. When we hear that phrase, we think of these primitive native cultures that, you know, they push people in volcanoes and stuff like that. Human sacrifice, you know, but remember, God is sovereign. God can forgive any time. Anybody God wants to forgive. God isn't handcuffed by the things that humans wrote down. How do I know that God isn't handcuffed by what's written? First, Jesus wasn't handcuffed by it. That's why they killed him. And second, God sure wasn't handcuffed by the scriptures into healing my daughter. You need to hear that second one again. Maybe the first one you can overlook, and I did too. But the second one, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Didn't matter how many times I stood on that. Didn't matter how many times I put my petitions. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you think that my prayers weren't fervent for my daughter? Do you think that my prayers were not fervent 
Yeah, but Justin, you're not righteous. Do you think that I was relying on my own righteousness? God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that I might become the righteousness of God. My fervent prayer wasn't in my own righteousness. I was relying on the trade. Jesus died for my sins so that he might become sin, so that I might become the righteousness of God. And the fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much. There's countless other scriptures. The leper came up to Jesus and said, hey, Look, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing. Every scripture you can think of pertaining to healing. I relied on them in every way that I was taught. It didn't handcuff God into doing the thing that we thought needed to be done, did it? God is not bound by this. God is not bound by this. God is not handcuffed by this. God doesn't need you to sign up for the right team in order to show you mercy and compassion or to even speak with you. Like like, like Pilate's wife. Who's Pilate? Ugh. I mean, who's Pilate's wife? Nobody. You, know, you hear this one little verse. Who's Pilate's wife? She's a nobody. But not to God. She wasn't a us. That's for doggone sure. She was a them. Pilate's wife. Look, God's not in shock about how you mess up. God's not in awe of how you get it right. God's not surprised by either. And God doesn't wonder how you were going to how you're going to act in this universe or any other multidimensional, you know, spider-verse that may be out there or maybe not happening right now. The million different ways you you might decide to do this. God created humanity, included all the emotions that cause all of our actions, and God is not surprised by any of it. When God forgives, <laughs> I mean, God's like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. I say who? I say when? I say who? Humans put conditions. God met every condition to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. And along the way, Jesus told us that contrary to what is written, God isn't angry. God isn't looking for a reason to get you. God turns the other cheek. God prays for those who persecute God. If we take God's cloak, God offers God's tunic. God isn't the one who calls down fire. God doesn't kill a baby for committing murder and taking a man's wife. God doesn't command Israel to kill all the men and children, but keep the virgins for the army. That's not God's nature. In the New Testament, God's not looking to pour out, pour out any wrath. That's why you see all this corruption in the world right now, going unpunished, all the corruption. Well, Justin, you know, San Francisco had the earthquake and, you know, New Orleans had the earthquake. Stop it. Stop it. Are you saying that there were no Christians affected by these catastrophes? Are you saying that Christians don't suffer from natural disasters? All the wildfires, right? The, the latest ones in Hawaii. Do you think God is punishing bad people right now? And then when they die, pff, boy, then they're really going to get it. Is that what you think? 
Jesus is going to look at you and say, man, you never knew me at all. And then he's going to forgive you because you didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to say something crazy. I've been saying a lot of crazy stuff. But, but the scripture has it backwards. Jesus is not going to look at you and say, I never knew you. Are you kidding me? As if the creator doesn't know us inside and out. Depart from me, I never knew you. No, no, Jesus is going to say, I tried to tell you who I was, but you didn't know me at all. You did all this stuff in the name of Raul of Nazareth. You thought it was me, but it wasn't me. You didn't know me at all. But I forgive you because you didn't know what you were doing. Never heard it like this before, have you? Never heard it like this before. You need to share this. You, with, with, you need to share it with the person who is struggling with condemnation in their life. That's who you need to share it with. And you need to share it with the one condemning everybody. Ooh, I, I mean, I get, I, 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 I have like this dual motivation. I think that's why, remember earlier I was talking about, uh, man, I got so excited when I got the thumbs down. I love the thumbs up. I got to tell you, I love when I get a thumbs up because I really feel like I'm connecting with somebody and I'm taking, lifting this burden off of them that, that has been on them for so very long that they can't measure up. And God's always mad and God's doing this and God's doing that. God's going to get you and all this kind of stuff. And it's not that way. And yeah, bad stuff happens, but it's not because God, God wants to do good in your life. Plan A is, is, is life more abundantly. Plan B is, man, even when things go sideways, I'm going to make it work together for your good. That's God. And it always goes sideways. So really, plan B is plan A, right? <laughs> right? Because we, we're, we're human. We always mess up plan A. We, don't, we can't not mess up plan A. But man, I get really excited too because there's this combative part of me. And you've recognized it. You hear it. You hear it, especially those that, of you that, that want to write me the, the, the negative comments. You hear it in my voice. You hear it in my voice. And I get excited when I uh, try to pick a fight, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, an, a fight of ideals, not a, not a physical fight, right? I'm going to turn the other cheek. I hope I don't have to. But look, again, if your response is rooted in, in steal, kill, destroy, we know where that comes from. So I don't even have to go that far to kind of put you, uh, have you check your own motivation. Jesus said anything that we, if it's steal, kill, destroy, we know that comes from, that comes from the thief. So if that's in your the rooted, if that's the root of your response to me, then we know that comes from the pit. And you need to check yourself. Like the prophet, chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Ice cube. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me just skip the next line there. But listen, if it's rooted in life more abundantly, we know where that comes from. And when you see all these things that are rooted in life more abundant, you can say, man, that's God. If you see it rooted in, in steal, kill, destroy, we got to take a second look and say, man, I don't know if that's God. Man, this, I did not expect it to be this long today. Really, I thought this was going to be like a 30-minute thing. But we, we're rolling, man. We're rolling. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and, and if you haven't gotten it by now, 
You're either being stubborn or you're more blind than the Pharisees. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. So look, it's time to take the cuffs off Christianity. And what are the cuffs? The things that handcuff people from overlooking the faults of others. I mean, wait, I mean, when God looks at us, when you look at your children, do you need some sort of blood sacrifice to love and accept them? I mean, even when they grieve you? Of course not. Do you think you love your children more than God, who is love, loves us? Is there anything they could do that would cause you to not love and care for them? Even if they're thrown in prison, would you visit them? Someone said, well, not me. If they're in prison, man, they deserve to be there. I don't know what they did. I'm not going to go visit. Maybe not. Maybe you wouldn't visit your child in prison. (laughs) But you know what? Thank God that you're not God. Well, that's what I have for today. Um, (laughs) Thanks for sticking around. No song. I guess I didn't really have time for a song. Went too long. No second camera. Guess I didn't need it. Um, What we're going to start doing in the next few weeks is we're going to be looking a little closer at Paul's journey. You know, Paul wrote a lot. Of letters, and we know that. And yes, and we can see those letters how he rejects the things that he used to hold on to, right? Uh, but in his revised theological and outlook, we can see that happening as well. And it's easy to see the difference between his pre and post Damascus Road encounter. It's easy to see that. But we tend to think uh, of Paul's theology as settled, right? As one giant settled thing. And we look at the blended totality of what he wrote and hold all of it together as one thing instead of looking at what at, at the pattern that Paul was engaged in. You know, he didn't figure it all out right away. And he even said he didn't have all the answers. So we're going to take a look at this pattern and see how we can take the next step in the sequence. And when I talk about the sequence, um, you know what a sequence is, right? You, you got one, three, five, seven, nine. What's the next step in the sequence? And the next step and the next step. Well, we know. Don't try to say you don't know it's 11 and 13 and 15. You know what it is. Okay. So we're going to look at, we're going to take a look at the sequence and then we're going to see what the next step in the sequence is. That's what we're going to do. And we're not going to be stuck with this old, old idea that God's going to get you and God's, that's not God. Jesus checked all the boxes so that you would know that he really is representing God here in the earth. And he said, I'm not like that. And what do we do? We went, I look, I'm going over it again. I don't want to go over it again. Thank you so much for watching, man. I appreciate you. If you hit, hit the little thumbs up thing, hit the subscribe thing. It's, it's really a joy. If you have a comment or a question, put it in the comment in the question. And uh, I already told you how to do the other if you want to do the other. I'm not majoring on that. If you want to do it, that's great. But listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember to treat others and see others with the original goodness that God sees in you. Thank you so much. See you next time. Dogmatically Imperfect with Justin Marson is a production of Original Goodness Media. Thanks to everyone who supports this podcast. If you want to become a supporter of the podcast, there are a couple ways to do that. If you want to support us financially, you can go to the website, originalgoodness.media. The other way to support the show is to share it with others directly or by leaving a review. If you have thoughts or questions that you would like to share, please send an email to yabud at originalgoodness.media. That's Y-E-A-H-B-U-T at originalgoodness.media.
Media. Make sure to search for the show on your favorite podcast and social media platforms. Special thanks to The Real Night Terror for our theme music. See you next time.